Greetings, ladies and gents, and welcome to this daily science fiction extravaganza, commonly known as Tales, Tales from Outer from space. Out, space. Out, space. Taken from the subreddit HFY, all the relevant links will be down below. And, as always, I hope that you enjoy. And if you do, please consider supporting the channel. On to the science fiction. Story number one. Oh, now I get it. Written by Incongruous Goat. Long had humans looked up at the stars and wondered, where is everyone? Long had they stared and in their isolation dreamed of interstellar civilization. Long had they waited, hoping someone would answer the calls into the void. Some had theorized that there were no civilizations to be found, while others posited that we were too primitive to be heard. Some even suggested that it would be best to stop sending messages altogether, in fear of what might be lurking in the dark between the stars. In retrospect, all of these theories proved laughably naive. Intelligent life was not rare, that much was at least correct. Some civilizations were relatively peaceful, and some were implicatably hostile. That, had they made it to the stars, they would have surely killed everyone in their path. Had they made it? Therein, of course, lay the problem with all the old musings. It was not humanity that was the primitive one, but everyone else. There was something, it seemed, that humanity had that all other sentience lacked. Oh, they all started off the same, evolving sentience to combat some environmental threat, eventually developing agriculture once conditions became amiable to it, and going on to create complex societies. Most would even learn to work with artificial materials, such as bronze, iron, and glass. However, none had ever managed to build any structures that were quite as tall or quite as evenly shaped as those the humans had built, even in their early days. Had anyone been paying attention, this would have been the first indicator that something was different. But, of course, nobody was watching. Being too occupied with the state of the next harvest or the recent predator incursions, and so, where other species stagnated, advancing only sporadically, humanity began an exponential rise. Slow and halting at first, several great civilizations were built up only to be smashed back down by circumstances, their collective learning all but lost. In due time, however, they were able to recover all that had been lost and build upon it further, eventually pushing their way off of their home planet and out to the stars. It was only then that anyone was in a position to figure out what set this one species apart. It wasn't peacefulness or compassion. Their history was one of cold pragmatism more than anything else. It wasn't their tenacity either. Humans may have been unusually persistent, but then again, so were many others. No, it was a skill most humans hated to have to use, only a minority ever truly grasped it, and most would have agreed that they were collectively terrible at mathematics. Humans, alone amongst all other species, could look at the world and, through careful observation, determine the laws by which it functioned recording the workings of the universe in a language of numbers. They could see a system completely unlike anything in their experience, and yet understand it. 
and come to predict its behavior with unerring accuracy. It was this that enabled their enormous piece of technology and logistics, this that enabled them to impose their will on the universe, to shape it to their desires instead of simply conforming to the way it already was. And when they went out amongst the stars, now they saw the plight of their brethren. Almost all were deemed beyond even their aid, save for one. They lifted us up, correcting that slight deficiency that had prevented us from truly seeing a play of numbers. They were tired of being alone in the night, and in their solitude took all their knowledge, all their understanding, and used it to set our species free. For that, a simple phrase, Oh, now I get it, means more to us than any rousing speech or heartfelt prayer ever could. End of story. Story number two. To Create a Warrior. Written by Iceman0486. How did the acquisition go? Uh, there are complications. I never like it when you use that word with that tone. It means that something went wrong and you did more things wrong in an attempt to make it right. Well, uh, we had to take the original. The clone expired. How? A clone of an older being always has risks. This one contracted a respiratory infection and expired before we realized there was a problem. Under normal circumstances, we would have waited and produced another, but, um, yes, I know, unfortunate. How is, uh, he? They're sexually dimorphic, yes? Yes, Director. How is he settling in? The translation program was complete before the acquisition was ever initiated, but the subject's command of invective is, uh, well, staggering. We're learning new phrases and combinations of words by the hour. That does not answer my question. I'm aware, Director, but when he awoke, he was presented with the training cadre, and he began cursing. I don't believe that he stopped once for 19 minutes. Apparently, he has begun to train our people for war, though. At least, I assume that they communicated our desire to him because he has either begun training our people or torturing them. Do you believe that cursing is a part of war preparation? Director, it has been over 10,000 years since our people fought a war. I have no idea what it takes for war preparation. I just hope this idea works. Our so-called soldiers are dying on the front at a prodigious rate. Well... At the very least, our soldiers are learning how many ways there are to enrage a human. On the plus side, the anti-aging drugs are working well on him, and he seems to be using the improved health to run the trainees until they drop, which seems to make him mad, and then they have to do some kind of lifting exercises, which they fail at. The failure seems to make him mad, which leads to further punishment. I'm not sure that is entirely accurate. What do you mean, Director? He seems to be in constant state of either irritation or outright rage with the trainees. No, not quite. I watched the recording of the last day's sessions. He told one squad that they had done well, even though they had failed to meet the time of the course that they had set. One positive word amongst a thousand negative cannot mean that much, can it? You're missing it, Doctor. The last squad was not faster or stronger than any of the others. They stayed together through the course rather than spreading out. 
But when he told them that they had done well, they were showing pride in that statement, Doctor. Huh. What does that mean, you suppose? It means, Doctor, that we have a chance. We may be able to turn our people back into soldiers after this long millennia of peace. We thought only of skills of killing and combat, but I don't think that that is what the human is teaching them. At least not directly. Those last trainees, those he praised, would walk through fire to hear it again. The other squads are now trying to emulate them. What is he teaching them? I don't know, a, uh, a group emotional conditioning of some kind. Perhaps humans have a word for it, but I, I think, um, I think that if we can learn it, then we might have a chance. End of story. Story number three. Why? Written by Plusium. How in the frick? Measles spat out in his drink in shock. How and why the frick would anyone throw a fricking tree? Uh, frick man, who knows? Dren shook his head and looked at his drink. My running theory is a bunch of drunk humans wandered into a forest there in the middle of a strength competition and went fricket. Can you imagine that, though? And afterwards they stumbled home like, Ha, darling, I'm sorry I'm late. I was out throwing fricking trees. Beasel slammed his hand on the bench to punctuate his point. His hand hit the solid wood that bounced off with a thud. Ow, frick. You sure have a passionate about this dude. Say, you know how we have that performance coming up. Two humans stumbled into a forest, clearly inebriated. The larger of the two, a tall, broad man dressed in nothing but a kilt, squinting at a tree. He shaded his eyes from the bright sun, filtering through the branches with his hand. He turned his attention back to the other man. Hey, Colum, he slurred out. Yeah, Lachlan, but you can't uh, lift that rock there. Lachlan stumbled a bit. Huh? Cullum turned and looked at the stone in question. It was about as big as his thigh. I can lift, lift, grab. I can lift that. Watch me. Cullum proclaimed as he stumbled over to the rock. Clumsily, he wrapped his hands around it and easily lifted it into the air. Ha! Told you! Cullum celebrated, dropping the rock with a thud. Hey, Lachlan! Yeah, Cullum! Bet you can't break that branch. Cullum enthusiastically pointed at a nearby branch, as thick as his wrist. Bet you I can. Lachlan fell on his face. Ouch me. He mumbled through the soil. He unsteadily lifted himself to his feet and grasped the branch. After a couple seconds of straining to bend the branch, he slammed it down on his knee. A crack rang out, and Lachlan stood proudly, holding two sticks. I did it! To prove his point, he thrusted his sticks in the air and dropped them. He was blissfully unaware of the fact that they didn't actually move. As such, he was promptly whacked in the head twice by falling sticks. Nah, you cheated! Cullum slurred. Nah, bet you can't! The two men continued with their little game, stumbling merrily along. Eventually, they came across a birch tree fallen on the ground, blocking their path. Hey! Cullum turned to Lachlan. Yes! Lachlan eloquently reposited. I'll give you my chicken if you can flip that tree. Oh, yeah! Yeah! All right, then! 
Rackland walked around the tree, awkwardly stomping off the branches from the trunk. Satisfied with his work, he stared at the tree, devoid of any branches on the lower two meters. You know, despite the top being no more higher than the roots. Yeah, ready to give me my chooks, Cullum. With that, he strained to lift the tree from one end. After a couple seconds of straining, he stopped. Working at it over time, his alcohol-flooded brain tried to compute the circumstances. In a stroke of relative genius, he waddled up to the middle of the tree and easily lifted it from there. A second brief moment of introspection later, and he dropped the rooted end of the tree to the ground and dug it in. He pivoted the tree upwards and off the point, and walked up the length until the tree stood vertical. He propped it against his shoulder and steadied himself. Go on, then, Cullum jeered. Shut it, you! Lachlan responded before he locked his fingers together around the trunk. He darted his body down and clamped his fingers again, this time around the half-root from the ground. He shouted as he pulled the tree into the air, snapping his hands beneath the trunk. He staggered around for a bit, part trunk, part struggling to control the massive lever. Go on, mate! Back off, you blackguard. I'll be having chick stew tonight. Backland shouted as he threw the tree into the air with all his might. It hit the ground, almost vertical, before it thudded to the ground and away from Lackland. Ha! Oi! Nah! Double or nothing! I betcha I can flip it better than you! Oh, you're on! And so it was, the Gabatos was born. Huh. Perhaps not, Beasel thought it out loud as Irian Dren looked over the script that they'd written. Hmm, I'm inclined to agree. It's not believable. I mean, as far as human things go, it's pretty tame. Though any self-respecting Draenor would believe this for a second. Yeah, Beasel sighed. Sometimes reality is stranger than fiction. God, ah, you're turning me... This isn't even the weirdest thing those elongated apes have invented. Do you know what bagpipes are? Oh, frick those. I'm convinced a drunkard decided to stick a bunch of flutes in a sheep's stomach and then blow into it. I cannot, for the life of me, think of any other reasonable explanation. Oh god, the sad part is you're not wrong. Have you heard of bloodletting? The damn things thought making the patient bleed would cure them. I swear, there is some divine intervention in those things making it to space. Did you know that they contemplated nuking their spaceships to get them to orbit? Or that as a test they decided to throw a car into space? Like, why? That summarizes the humans pretty well. Just, why? Why drink rock or fuel? Why eat poison? Why cause fear for amusement? Just why? Measle laughed. Why indeed? Why, indeed, humans, freaking why? End of story. And that, my friends, concludes this dose of science fiction fun. I hope that you enjoyed. And if you did, please don't forget to support the author from the link down below. But if you want to support this channel, there are links as well down below for you to help with, but the easiest way would be to share this video. And if you are so inclined, subscribe as well. I will see you all in the next episode, and I hope that you all have a 
Fantastic time until then. Cheers.